Alright, welcome to year 8 of the Sons of Fantasy Football League. I'm your host and commish, the Denver Desert Dog, Matt Kozlowski. Football is back, and the Rams are on TV, down 7 nothing after the Steel Curtain gets the first touchdown of the season. Uh, joining me tonight from Take Your Ball and Go Home, Shane Stein. Great to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. Eight fucking years, huh? Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Crazy. Can't believe it. Other than, been awesome. Other than, uh, I guess, being with my wife, this is the second longest thing in my life that I've done. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's right. We started right before, uh, pretty much right before Emmett was born, right? Yeah. That was the year before. Yeah. Yep. yep. And joining us from the Sea Wolves, Phil Bruce. How's it going, Phil? Eight years. Oh my God. That's. I, I, I was at the bar last night with some friends at work, and I was talking about how awesome fantasy football was and the, the podcast and things like that. And the guy I was talking to said, Fantasy football, is that is that even fun? Like, I don't really get it. And I looked at him for a while, and I thought to myself, like, Is this actually fun? The draft is really fun. The podcast is really fun. And then there's just, if you're not winning, it's complete misery. And at the end of the season, there's only one team that's winning. And I'm like, that's that's a complicated question. I don't really know how to answer it. I, I enjoy a lot of it. I, I don't know if I would call it fun. It's a great way to pass the time. And I enjoy your guys' company. Thanks for having me on. I uh, Yeah, I don't know that I can uh, agree more with that. So... Gonna start out the season with the wolves and desert dogs on the same page. This is crazy. Yeah. Turn over a new leaf. Only took eight years. We're, we're mellowing. We're mellowing. Jameson Crowder getting some burn. How about it? Um. All right, Shane. First trivia question of the season. Lay it on us, buddy. Yeah. Um. Was a little unprepared, but I knew I had to get something for you on show number one here. You guys would never let me live it down. So. You were. Close in your guess of it being a, a running back question, but not as bland as uh, as you had thought it was going to be. So just did a little research and saw an interesting stat a few days ago when I was looking up some research before our draft. And uh, so it led me to this question. So in the past 10 years, that's how far we're going back. So since 2012... There have been 13 running backs that have had more than 15 100-yard rushing games. I'm looking for the guys that have had 16 or more 100-yard rushing games in the past 10 years of NFL football. You said running backs? They are all running backs. Cam Newton is not on this list. Well, so past, Lamar would have been. Past 10 years, 16 games of rushing for 100 yards or more. That's where I drew the line, yes. There are 13 of them. We'll go stump the Schwab style. Phil, Emmett Smith retired well before this. <laughs> Jamal so did Jerome, so did Jerome Bettis. <laughs> Jerome Bettis retired. He was, he was not in the league. 
You say your favorite guy, I'll say mine. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, why, why, don't we, why don't we have Cause kick it off? Right. I'm going to go with Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is on this list. Yes, yes he is. He is tied for 10th with 1,800-yard games. Oh, man, what could have been? Nothing like kicking him off to start the start year. I think, I, and I think, at least fifteen of those were in two seasons, and I'm not sure how many times against Phil. <laughs> Every single one somehow. He had a couple two hundred yard games against Phil too. Two hundred and three tutters. <laughs> hundred rushing, hundred receiving, three tutters. Come on, man! Say, man. come on, give me your guy. Come on, man. My guy? Yeah. Come on, Phil. <laughs> Hold on. I I can't start off with a complete embarrassment. I wanted to throw oh. you a bone, so I knew you'd get at least one right here. So that was the reason for the question. <laughs> I'm going to go the king, Derrick Henry. King Henry is fourth with 2,500-yard rushing games in his career so far. Layups out of the way here. Uh, so they've done it thirteen times, right? They've done, they've done it sixteen times or 16 more. Sixteen times, just thirteen players. Okay, thirteen players. All right, man. So still some, still some pretty big names here. A lot of act, still a lot of active guys too. How about uh, Chris Johnson? He's not on this list. Ooh. He would be very, pretty close. Let me see where he would be. He'd run for 2,000 yards in a season and not do it. Uh, let see how many he had. He did not have 12, so he's below that in this time. Disappointing. Uh, I bet Joe Mixon's on this list. <laughs> I'm back in the game. Cause you are back in the game. Damn. Oh, that's awful. I um, thought you guys were going to be a lot better at this. There's possibly one of the top three, four running backs of all time on this list. Um, I, man, I can tell that I've been really paying attention to baseball. Any Albert Pujols questions? <laughs> There's two probably all-time great running backs on this list. How about LaShawn McCoy? LaShawn McCoy's third, or actually tied for second, with 2,900 yard games in this that time period. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson is also tied for second with McCoy with 29 in that time period. Adrian Peterson. <sighs> so 10 years. I'll take us back to 2012. I think Jamal Charles is on this list. I'll say Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles is not on the list. <laughs> I already said that. He did. He had 13 in this time period. Which is really good because considering I feel like he retired in like 
Zeke was the first couple of years of his career. A lot of. How about a Papa Cos favorite, Frank Gore? Frank Gore is the last guy on this list. He had 16 in this time period, which is considering it was like six years into his career when this started. <laughs> Pretty, uh, actually, probably longer longer than six years into his career. But yeah, he is. He's tied for 12th with 16. Alright, wait, how many how many did Mixon have? Um we didn't less than twelve. My list only goes to guys that had twelve. My god, the guys ran for forty five hundred yards. This guy sucks. There are still three active players on this list. One was once called by one of you yep. the top keeper in this Easy. league. Easy, that was my next guess. <laughs> After one game. <laughs> no, Chase Edmonds isn't on this list, Phil. <laughs> Nicky Chubb. Nick Chubb is tied for six, 2,200-yard rushing games in his career. We got seven so far. Might be a bad guess, but I'm going to say Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's on this list. 19. 100 yard games. Very good pull there. Mark Ingram's had a pretty solid career. I want to let the record show Nick Chubb only has 400 yards more rushing than Joe Mixon, so it wasn't that bad, I guess. Same amount of years. So how many how many more active? There's only one more active player. The other guy. There's still other some other big names, though real big names. I'm a little disappointed in one of them that has. I thought that would be a, a definite, considering my company. Is Le'Veon Bell on this list? Yes, Le'Veon Bell is on the list. 1,800 yard games in that time period. That was the one I was talking about. <laughs> How about a favorite of yours, Shane? Uh, Matt Forte. He's not on the list. He had 14 during this time. Sorry, Mixon had 13 during this time, Phil. Okay. I don't know if I said that. <clears throat> so there's four names left. All pretty, one of them's active. All pretty big fantasy, fantasy names, obviously. Um, one I of them. Good. Wait. Oh God. I was gonna say 
could you give me a hint on if this man was quickly exited from the NFL? But that would be too many names. Uh, <laughs> think, thinking back to the time, might be off on my years, uh, which would be pretty consistent for me and feels just like old times. But how about Ray Rice? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're a little off there, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's not anywhere near this list. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is on this list, tied for six with Nick Chubb at 22. 100-yard games. Still, there is a Soffle champion on this list. At least, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a Soffle, there's yeah, definitely a Soffle two-time champion on this list. And also a keeper in 2022. I know who it is. He's going top five in all of your fantasy drafts for the last three or four years. Run CMC? No. Alvin Kamara? No. Oh. Wrong two-time champ, cause The big dog, Ed Mitchum. Oh, Dalvin. Dalvin wow. Cook has 19. People forget games. Him. Um, since you guys are struggling a little bit, we'll get on to the show. Um, two names. DeMarco Murray. thought that was a pretty tough one. He's hit 23, which was really surprising to me. Um, and then the last one used to be a fantasy stalwart. I think he was, used to go one overall every once in a while. Arian Foster. Oh, yeah. Had 16. God. James Cook just fumbled. Ramsey. Tough one out of the gates there, but you guys did all right. Yeah, that was good. Good question. Good question. I expect some Pujols trivia next week. Got so, it. Phil's excited about that. <laughs> all right, let's With do... kind of steroids. <laughs> Is that what Pujols still on? Let's do a draft recap. Uh, let's touch on the draft quickly. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a good draft. You know, uh, definitely involved. Everyone was... Pretty much on top of their games. Um, one of the weirder drafts, though, I think it was it was different than the last couple of years. We've never seen that much draft cash getting traded around. Um, what were your guys' thoughts from the draft as a whole? Yeah, um, just had a weird, kind of had a weird feel to it to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we can say that just about every year, but just a lot of a lot of interesting things. We saw we saw the draft cash trades. That we don't normally see. We saw some a sign and trade deal <laughs> go down that we I don't we haven't we haven't seen that before in our in our draft. I thought that was fun. Um, just never really got a feel for for what was going to happen. I, I I feel like there were a lot of teams, and maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like there was a lot of teams that had a lot of money in the middle part of the draft where we we usually start to see like players go for more than a lot of people think they're worth. And I don't know that we ever reached that point. Like, I, I didn't feel like there was a point where there were, like, bottom, 
not bottom level, but like those mid-tier players going in that 40 to $50 range just because they were the best player left. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I have to look back on that. I haven't really dived into the numbers at all, but I just felt like we never reached that point. Yeah, it was a really good draft. It's fun to see trades and, and cash moving around and anytime we can do that without too many controversies it's a good draft uh yeah it was kind of strange in that you had so and every year we have the top running backs top wide receivers cap really no matter what the price point is for the for the most part and we had that first tier of really good guys, the Cups going for 65, Najee Harris going for 71, if memory serves. And then we didn't, yeah, you're, you're right, we didn't have that next crop of players at the 50 to $55 range like we normally do. We had a, we had a few, but not nearly as many as we, we do historically. Got replaced with a, a lot of guys in like the 35 to 40 dollar range and some guys I, I look at the list and I think they're they're definitely worth it and that's probably the right price point and then other ones just got bid up and I look at it later and say there's no way that that guy is worth that if that other player is worth a similar amount yeah I feel like it was even less I feel like it was like 25 to 30 I'd have to go back I have the sheet somewhere to look at the numbers but i feel like it was like a lot of guys went for that 25 to 30 range where it was like normally you see guys pressing being like oh there's only two really good running backs or wide receivers left like i gotta go get this guy and you see them pay up for the, the upper 30s 40s for those guys and it just it never seemed to materialize yeah you think of a guy like antonio gibson last year going for 66 dollars i think um we didn't really have that play this year it didn't really happen i mean I'd say some of the more aggressive spenders in drafts, like me, Eddie, and Sure, didn't have a lot of money because of the guys that we kept. That definitely had something to do with it. Fegley and Spears got, I feel like, a ton of depth in that $25 to $30 range. Um, I thought the quarterbacks dropped off really quickly. There were some big pays for Herbert and Allen and Mahomes, and even Lamar went for 11 and then every quarterback after that was significantly cheaper. Um, tight end was about the same. <clears throat> had some guys in the 30 to 35 range. And then after those players, they were all pretty cheap too. So um, this wasn't a lot of people pushing the issue, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you said that. It felt like, honestly, and maybe, it's, I don't know if this is every year, it feels like Spears is just like drafting 100 players. I left the draft feeling like he drafted everyone. Yeah. And then, I mean, you look at his team and it's like, wow, like he drafted a lot of good players. Like he has, we have what, 13 players on our roster. He felt like 11 of his, or at least 11 or 12 are like really good players. Mm -hmm. I mean, they drafted OBJ at the end, who knows there, but like everyone else that he drafted, I'm like, man, like your team's really good. Yeah, I think that's an easy segue, and uh, I think we all feel, probably feel like he's got the best team. Uh, ESPN projections agree with that for the season long, so uh, Troy did a great job. Um, I think the other ones, I think I like Bowles' team. I think I'd mentioned that after the draft. Um, ESPN is really high on the Fleetwood franchise. They're one of the top teams um, in the projections. 
and I forget who the other one is. I feel like the flock might still be up there in terms of the way uh, they're ranked on ESPN. Do you guys have any thoughts on, on those teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I said it before we left. I thought I thought Spears was the best team. I mean, I thought he had the best draft anyway. I think he, he left the draft room with the best team. Um, I thought I thought Fegley did a pretty nice job. I, I, I didn't mind his team. I thought he... Uh, he got a, a lot of a lot of depth, a lot of good players as well. A um, little skeptical about D. Eskridge, but we'll, we'll see how that pans out. That was 12 uh, Trulies in it, so. <laughs> I'm still not sure that he actually plays in the NFL, but we'll, we'll get confirmation this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Bull did a nice job. I thought Bull did a, did a better job than years past. I think we've seen Bull leave some money on the table. Um, in years past, and it felt like he uh, he was he was aggressive. Went out and made sure he got cup. Um, feel like his team's pretty solid. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I feel like I I, I mean I, I felt like Spears was the best team, but I, I feel like honestly I didn't think there was that much of a divide um, everywhere else. It, it felt like a lot of the talent got spread out pretty evenly. Yeah, to answer your question, I, I like Bulls team the, the best top to bottom. I look at the flock roster, obviously running back position, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre, Singletary, just phenomenal. And then I don't I don't know what to make of Deontay Johnson and Ayuk uh, this year. For so I it there's just a, some question marks for me at the wide receiver position where it's wide receiver is a very deep position this year. Franchise, sort of the, the opposite, where I don't know what to make of Javante Williams and, and Brees Hall. They're either going to be really good as a one-two punch, or they're going to fall flat. I, I don't. I don't think there's that much. There's that much of a safe floor with with those guys and Chase Sutton. Robert Woods, love that in the wide receiver position, and I think we're going to see some run out of Gainwell. But Bulls team top to bottom, it's it's just solid. He has David Montgomery as the flex two, which he's probably going to be anybody else's RB2 or flex one. And he has A.J. Dillon on the bench, and that's another pick. Probably A.J. Dillon starts for just about every roster. Uh elsewhere in the league and then ha- having Waddle like between those three at that level of depth on the bench it, it's a really really good and, and solid team with a safe floor and Alex Spears' team of course yeah it's awesome um Phil talk to us about you have uh Pickens, Dubs, and Olave. So what did you like about this rookie receiver class? Super deep. Between those three, I'm pretty sure I can get one starter out of it. I have no idea which one of those is going to pop. Somebody may. And it was one of those things that they were all guys that, that I really liked before the draft. I thought they might even get fit up a little bit, and I didn't intend to come in and say, hey, I want 
three high upside guys here. It just so happens that the, the value and the picks fell to me like that. I love Pickens. I love the Packers guy. Doobie, I call him. It's a, my little nickname. And Alave. There's, some, there's something there. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'll be on the wire in week two. One of those guys is going to pop. Chan, I thought you did a nice job adding Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. I thought those were both uh, both good gets for your team. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of used the same strategy I did last year. wanted to go heavy wide receiver. Um, uh, and not just last year. It's kind of just been, always been my MO in this league pretty much. Um, thought that those guys were two of the best available. Maybe, if, if not the two best available, wanted to go get them. And... Uh, kind of figure out the rest from there obviously little little week in the running back class um as usual phil usually kills me for it but that's the way we like to build our roster i wanted to be strong at wide receiver and quarterback and i accomplished my goals um as always for teabag if we can figure out the running back spot we'll be uh, we'll be right there at the end it was a year where if you didn't get the top running backs and and not just my opinion, but what I've seen a lot of people say in, in articles. If you don't get the top running backs, you're better off using all that capital at wide receiver, something that's going to have a higher floor. You don't, you don't know what those middle-tier running backs are going to do. Jones and Connor, fine. As, as a one-two punch, probably in the better half in this league as a one-two punch, I, I would think. I, I agree with everything that you did. Uh, and so does Mikey. So that that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no secret. I mean, it's going to come down to if I my running back play is uh, is it good. I mean, I I can see Jones and Connor being being a top three running back duo in the league for the year. I can see both of them not having a job by week six or seven. <laughs> um, I can see AJ Dillon taking that job for sure. Um, at least taking the bulk of it, and I can see James Connor just being absolutely terrible. But I could, I could see him having 1,200 yards and 12 scores. So, well, I mean, it's kind of what fantasy football is all about, though. I mean, got to see what kind of year they're going to have. And I, I got to hope that I get top 15 running back production out of both of those guys, and I think we'll be fine. Got to give a, <clears throat> a shout-out to the Mad Dogs because they were uh, wildly disrespected last year by this podcast. Um, didn't keep any running backs. Started with uh, Devontae and Debo. He adds Judy and Christian Kirk to his wide receiver core. And then adds Kareem Hunt, Damian Pierce, Chase Edmonds, and Tony Pollard. And Khalil Herbert's one of my favorite uh, handcuff running backs this year. So um, I think with not having a lot of money and not having any running backs to keep, I do like that team too. I wanted to give a shout out to Mick there. Yeah, I mean, it obviously starts with uh, two of the top wideouts in the league, which is always always nice having those uh, those two guys to just set it and forget it, if you want to put it that way. Um, he had to sit around there, it seemed like, for the first hour of the draft, at least. I uh, didn't really hear, hear Mick's voice very much, but I um, thought he did a pretty nice job getting getting those running backs at some pretty de- decent prices. Um I mean, Pierce, I think we all expect, is going to get a pretty full workload down there in Houston. Um, a lot of people high on his expectations this year. Um, 
got to like Evans and Pollard, the chances of one of those guys being a, a pretty serviceable um, RB2 at some point. So I think the Mad Dogs will be fine just on based on the production of, of those two. The wide receiving core is going to be obviously carrying them. Yeah, they'll be fine. And I expect we'll see Chase Edmonds or Tony Pollard in this lineup yeah. in week two. They're the both really good options, especially for a bench. I wish they were my bench. All right, this is your guys' opportunity to roast the Desert Dogs draft. Yeah, I, I wish I could say that I was surprised at him keeping McCaffrey, but I, 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 I'm not. I, I knew you were going to do it. Um, too much upside there for you to pass up on that. Um, if he's healthy, he's, he's a game changer. He's, he's, he's like, it's almost like Antonio Brown was in this league seven years ago or whatever it was, eight or seven or eight years ago. Like he was just a 20 point monster. Like you, you put him in there and you're getting 20 points. That makes a huge difference in fantasy. Um, so if he can stay healthy, he's clearly, he accounts for basically two players. <laughs> um, which is always nice. So he only gives you a little leeway to, to try to take some shots somewhere else. Um, I actually thought your draft was pretty good. I thought you got great value on TJ Hawkinson. I thought that was one of the steals of the draft. Um, disappointed I couldn't add him to my tight end room. I think my team would look a lot better with him in the lineup. Um, I thought Brandon Cooks is, is once again undervalued. I think he's great. I expect uh, Ramon J. Stevenson to be to be very serviceable as an RB2. And uh, you're going to ride with with Russ. I think uh, can see some big things in Denver this year. So I actually didn't think the, the Desert Dogs, considering with the money that you had available, um, I actually didn't think you did too bad of a job. Yeah, if you don't keep McCaffrey, the other teams that have cash are going to fight over him, and he's going to go for somewhere close to 100 just like the similarity Shane mentioned to Antonio Brown, he just has that level of upside where as long as he's playing, he's the number one option that week. And I don't think it's all that close. You can make the case for Jonathan Taylor, but we've only seen it once in, in one season. I like Stevenson as an RB2. A lot of upside there. He's going to catch a lot of passes even for, for his size and how he's going to work in that offense. It was a good draft. The, the biggest thing is going to come down to, to depth. And beyond Patterson, there's just not – I don't see there that there being that much there. And I expect you to be pretty active on the wire. But it's to be expected. If, if you're going to spend that level of capital on your keepers and trade make, make the trades that you did last season – you know you're not getting a, a, a bench with any kind of quality. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the only other teams we didn't really talk about were Abusement Park, Steel Curtain, and Nevermore. Uh, Curtain obviously was in a similar position to me money-wise. Go out and get two of their targets with Elijah Mitchell and Gabe Davis. Um, like both those guys this year. Gibson was the the big turning point in his draft that kind of limited what he was able to do with the rest, but 
adding uh, Mitchell and Davis to Dalvin Cook is still going to be a tough team. Um, Park did a pretty decent job. Keep They, again, didn't have a ton of money keeping Chubb and Mixon. Go out and get some good wide receivers with uh, Lizard, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, Hunter Renfro, and add Michael Carter at $2, which everyone kind of thought was the steal of the draft. And it looks like Daryl Henderson's the lead guy right now in the Rams. And then Nevermore, um, you know, I actually look at his team, and it's not as bad as I thought it was because he has Etienne, Fournette, Godwin, Higgins, Keenan Allen, and Rashad Penny. But I think there was some... some uh, Opportunity left on the table with that draft uh, with leaving $25 on the table and also trading away about 20-ish dollars, I want to say. So what do you guys have to say about those squads? Yeah, I guess we'll start with Nevermore. I mean, there's obviously got to be some regret. I'm, I'm looking at the roster right now. It's not it's not terrible. Um, I mean, it's a pretty good starting lineup as, as long as ETN is going to be as serviceable as, as projected. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in Jacksonville there with, the, with that situation. But, I mean, if he turns out to be a serviceable RB2 range play somewhere in there, RB high or low RB1, I mean, Kyler should be a, a, a top 10 play, obviously, at quarterback, you would think. Um, Higgins, Allen, Goddard, that's, that's a pretty solid start. I mean, it seems not terrible, just – Obviously, the the leaving the the forty five dollar range out there in, in in capital could have turned that into at least one, if not two, more quality quality players to add to the roster. So probably probably a little disappointed walking away there. Um, as far as the curtain, I don't I don't think that the team's all as bad as um, kind of made it out to the draft to be. Um, I I feel like he did a pretty nice job. I think there's a um, I actually like the Raheem Mostert pick. I feel like that could turn into a huge upside. Um, obviously, we've seen what he could do when he's healthy. Um, Mitchell, Gabe Davis, those are those are two pretty good, pretty good picks right there. I thought, yeah, to Dalvin Cook, and I mean, I, I think he's going to be right there. So I'm not too disappointed in there. And then the Park, little different situation for them this year. Um, feel like we're used to seeing them throw a lot of money around in the draft. They didn't have it this year. We're used to seeing them leave with a lot of the big name, big name talent. And, uh, they kind of had to maneuver their, their way around this year. Um, but I mean, you start out with, with Chubb Mixon. It's a pretty good starting piece at the, uh, running back position to hold down the fort. Um, obviously going to come down to some hit or miss guys in Mike Williams, DJ Moore, um, even Lazard, some pretty hit or miss guys in the receiving core. Um, but I, I think Michael Carter, like you said, really, really good steal for two bucks. Uh, I'm not sure why everyone's so down on him. Um, guy was pretty phenomenal at the, the last half of the year last year. And, and I don't see a reason why he's not going to be just as good this year. So um, I was, I was really hoping I was going to be able to hold out for Carter, but the way it worked, I just, I just didn't have the money at the end. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said on on Steel Curtain. Probably would have liked one or two decisions back, but overall, it's got a pretty good roster. Look at it, Nevermore. I, I mean, you, you leave what tw- twenty six bucks on, on the table. Is that 
Is that what it was at the end there? Sometime. I think it was 26, and then he traded away, I want to say, at least 20, maybe more. Can't remember. And, look, that's a big deal. Chris Godwin becomes Stephon Diggs at, at, at that price point. Like, that could have been used to take any one of those players, which are good players, uh, and create almost a positional advantage. So it's a, it's, it's a learning, and just come into it next year and, and, and make sure you're maximizing it. And if you're not maximizing it, you're at least trading some good portion of it away until we do. Abusement Park, I just, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this. So Nick Chubb kept at 16. Mixon was kept at 60? Is yeah. that... Are we sure Mixon goes for 60 if he gets thrown back in? Because I'm not sure he does. I think he would have. Okay. Yeah, he probably goes for right around there. Yeah, within 2 or $3 either way. All right. <clears throat> um, there, was, there was nobody else that... I mean, either way. I think, I think I heard Brandon say during the draft that, I mean, he saw the... I'm not sure when he had to go to select his keepers, but just the way that all the running backs were coming off the board to kind of force his hand as far as making sure that he had had uh, two of the top guys. Yeah, I'm not sure Mixon's a top guy, but he he's a good player. He's a good RB, too. Chubbs, Chubb. Cup touchdown, that's weird. That is weird. <laughs> Man, didn't see that coming. Uh, no, I'm sure he's got a good team. He just doesn't have the, the far and away the best team coming out of the draft like we normally see every year. I, I'm surprised you feel that way about Mixon. I, I got to feel like he's a top 10 running back in that offense. He's another case where there's no one... No one really to compete with running back touches. I mean, they're going to throw probably more than people thought they were last year at this time, but I'm surprised you don't like him. Not, not at 60. The biggest running running back guy in the league doesn't like someone keeping a top 10 running back. I, it, it might also be the fact that I've been burned by mixing so many times before. I just have a sour taste. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, he, yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> he, he, bur- he burns everybody. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't have <laughs> many 100-yard rushing games. I don't know if you guys have. Yeah. I'm actually surprised he has 13. I feel like he played like eight games a year for, uh, <laughs> for his first couple of years in the in the league. Now, if I'm, if I'm sure, I'm saying, hey, Seawolves, here's 10 bucks. Let me keep touchdown, big game, Lenny Fournette. At whatever he was, twenty, and then I'm getting mixing in a draft for sixty-two. Just a thought. Um, the other thing that we didn't really mention about Fegley's draft is he has one of I think we think the best teams in the league, and he also added twenty-eight dollars of draft cash in the draft. So he's really at plus seventy-eight right now going into the season. So he has seventy-eight dollars to trade. Um, throughout the year to add players to that roster. So I'm expecting a buy-now season from uh, the Renegades. He's been known to gamble a little bit in his life. I think he's going to gamble with this, uh, with this no. squad. Stop. He doesn't like to gamble. <laughs> I just want to let the record show. I, I don't think he has one of the better rosters in the league. Okay. To find out. 
borderline team, I would not say it's top three or four. It's got depth. I, I don't I don't love the running backs. Barkley, Azers, and Elliott are three that I would not really want to hang my hat on to steal a term from Ed. Um, but the wide receivers are good. But, all right, Barkley, Akers, Zeke, th- those are three pretty big question marks. Yes. And that's a pretty big hole. Uh, you could make the argument, make probably bottom two or three team running back core in the league. <clears throat> Scary Terry, which I know you were pretty strong on, on keeping, or at least considering to keep. <laughs> He, he's good. We'll, we'll see what Carson Wentz can, can sling out to him. Hopkins. What's he going to look like when he's off the juice when he comes back in week 10 or whatever it is? Well, I really like Juju, Michael Thomas, and Thielen, and Cooper. I think for a combined $67, he got four really good wide receivers. Two, At least two of those guys are going to be top 20. I gotta, I gotta write this down. What were those guys? Pat, Juju, Michael Thomas, Thielen, Amari Cooper. Juju, Milk Carton. Can I say top twenty-five? Can I just run that? Nope, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Juju, Milk Carton, Cooper, and who? Can't call him Milk Carton. There's a new Milk Carton in town. Who can makers? No, <laughs> no. He's also on the Rams, but he's Allen Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Just had my knee drained after that preseason game. Smith Schuster, OG Milk Carton, Thielen, and Amari Cooper. Thielen. That was the other one. Okay, top tw- two of them are going to be top 20. Yep. First bit of the year. We'll give you, a, I feel like I was right about that one if it's top 25. All right, that's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> All right, anything else on the draft? No, it was fun. I, I think we had a. We have we have a great group, just just really fun getting together with everyone. So, it was another another well put together presentation as usual. All right, who was the a little disappointed on the no tomato pie, but other than that, no complaints. Uh, the email said, "Don't bring anything." Who, which player went for way too much money? You always bring the tomato pie. I thought it was implied. <clears throat> why why did you before, say don't bring anything? Before you got there, <laughs> Fegley said, "I hope Phil's bringing the tomato pie." And the steel curtain said, I hope so, because that's the only reason he's supposed to show up. <laughs> I just feel so welcome. <laughs> um, right, who we're, went for worst t- player drafted, Antonio Gibson, $27. It's not close. <laughs> no, that's not the worst. Um, worst guy, player. Guys should be on special teams if there wasn't that mass shooting. Player drafted. Man, Josh uh, Jacobs at thirty-four feels bad. Oh, I'm I'm gonna go Zeke Elliott at forty. That's I was gonna say that too. I I, I know Fegley's high on him, but I just feel like that guy's done. <laughs> Brees Hall at twenty-seven doesn't feel good either. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Sanders um, at twenty-nine. Sanders at twenty-nine feels pretty That's bad too. Yeah. That's up there. Yeah, that, it, it, there's there's a little regret there. And, yeah, uh, I just need the Eagles to pop, and our rosters are going to be fine. You know, 
we talked about Nevermore's team. I think one of Fournette, Godwin, and Keenan Allen is going to be an absolute bust. Yeah. Yeah, but what do we know? What, you know, I've humbled myself the last three years. This thing's all luck, so. <laughs> it's finally coming around now. Yeah. That he hasn't won in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> that there's some luck involved this, in this. This thing's all luck. Um, good handicappers. That's where you see the skill at. <laughs> All right. Um, for the guys that aren't recording the podcast, we're going to take a quick break so I can stop this recording and restart because this one's going to run over an hour tonight. All right, getting into the week one matchups now in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. Got a couple tutters early so far. Um, one for the Bull Weevils and one for Steel Curtain. So Cooper Cup and Gabe Davis getting in the end zone. Let's start off with... Let's see. Is there anybody that doesn't have anyone going tonight? There is. So Team Ice Cream against Nevermore. That'll be our first matchup. Right now Team Ice Cream is a 117.8 to 103.7. Favorite in the matchup, Josh Allen with a pick. Nice. Second one. Um, <clears throat> so on the on the ice cream side, we got Mahomes, Kamara, Najee, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Travis Kelsey, Devonta Smith, Edward Tolaire. Kittle on the bench right now because he's got a famous Q next to him. On the uh, Nevermore side, Kyler, ETN. Fournette, Higgins, Keenan Allen, Dallas Goddard, Rashad Penny, and Jahan Dotson. Um, looks like Godwin might go, from what we're hearing, I think. Um, so I guess the question for Nevermore, we'll start off with, uh, you know, I was going to say, do, would you trust Godwin or Dotson more? But if Godwin's playing, I feel like you have to play him. So let's let's talk a little bit about Kyler. Phil, he was your quarterback last year. Shane, you own him in a dynasty that we're in together. Um, a lot of people down on Kyler. I was surprised when I had my list uh, for the draft that he was the 10th rated quarterback on my list. Um, I feel like we've re- everyone's really down on him. Um, I know we won't have D-Hop for the first six games. That definitely makes a difference. No Kirk this year. Um, are we wrongfully down on Kyler, or is, is that does that make sense to you guys? <sighs> I don't know if we're wrongfully down on him. I, I just don't know that he's as good of a quarterback as everyone was all excited about in the in the first two years. And it, it kind of follows the same pattern of, I mean, I'm obviously the guy that probably harps on running quarterbacks the most, but like once you figure them out and and make them beat you by, by passing from the pocket, he's just not a guy that can do that. Um, he's clearly shown that he doesn't read defenses particularly well. Um, he can't just beat you by throwing the ball. Um, he has to use his legs to beat you, and he's just the kind of guy that can put up some clunkers. But that being said, he still puts up some miraculous plays, gets a lot of big play potential in the rushing yards, obviously, um, which keep him in as a top-ten quarterback fantasy purposes. Um, so, I mean, I think it's okay to be hesitant about whether or not he's ever going to be the stud that everyone thought. Um but I just think his, his upside is slowly ticking away as you see teams 
adjusting to, to him running the football. He's a victim of a little bit of recency bias. So if you think back to our last few experiences with Kyler, one was the, the playoff game where it looked like he wanted to be anywhere else on the planet except playing football, and he's got his hands on his head, so he's just throwing interception after interception. That left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And then all the stuff with the contract and Arizona saying, hey, you, we need to write in some film study because you just don't give a shit. Those are the two most recent events of when we think of Kyler Murray. So he drops a little bit because of that. He's still, when what we care about in fantasy football, is a very relevant fantasy quarterback. And he puts up some good, some pretty good yards with his legs. Uh, I don't think the defense is all that good. They're going to be playing in some shootouts. I would feel very comfortable rolling him out week after week. In fact, I, I, I probably want him a little bit more than the quarterback I have. My thoughts. Good point on the recency bias. Um, the playoff game was awful, and the contract was embarrassing, and the Hopkins suspension doesn't help. So I actually think him and Marquise Brown is going to be a really nice connection. Um, you know, We saw yep. how effective he was with Christian Kirk. He's probably more familiar with Marquise Brown, and Marquise Brown... I, while he has his flaws as a player in terms of deep receiver, uh, in terms of route running and going to get those deep balls, I don't know that there's many better than him um, or faster than him for that matter. So, yeah, I think he'll be okay. Um, but I think just the Cardinals as a whole, the vibes are bad um, on that team. I mean, it just seems like, I mean, <laughs> I think we all feel this way and it's it's easy to feel this way. Like, He's not the kind of guy that you can give all the money to and build your roster around. I feel like he needs to have good players around him. Yeah. Um, and if you're giving all the money to him, clearly you're you're taking it away from other areas of the roster. He's got to have an offensive line that's decent. <laughs> He's got to have some some skill players around him to to make his athleticism worth it. Um, just based on his limitations, and I, I think you're going to see some of the effects of that, but. Phil made a good point is part of that of, of losing some people around you is on the defensive side of the ball, which in fantasy can can help you. Um, the fact that you're, you're probably not going to be winning all the time and you're going to be forced to throw the ball and score some points, get a lot of uh, softer defensive coverages when, when you're losing. So I feel like that's an upside for him. So that also last, keeps him in the conversation. Last year, he was the, the trendy, sexy pick. He's still the same guy that he was last year, minus D-Hop. But he's just not the the trendy pick everybody wants to be in front of and say, hey, see, I was right about Kyle. He, he's still a very good fantasy quarterback, yes. which yep. is what we're playing here and what we care about. Yeah, so $5 is a pretty good bargain there for Nevermore. Phil, Kyler is the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. They play the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Team ice cream quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Can I get a this league from you? <laughs> <laughs> the scheduler, the scheduler came through. Schedulers, wow. <laughs> this, that's going to be so much fun to watch. This league. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> let's talk about DK Metcalf for uh, Team Ice Cream, or as I like to call him with no rust, Decaf. Metcalf. <laughs> um, 
So decaf Metcalf, Geno Smith throwing the ball Monday night. Um, what do you guys think for him this year? I mean, that was we didn't talk about him as one of the overpays of the draft. This has a chance to go horribly wrong. I said the same thing to Spears during the draft. Uh, we were talking at one of the intermissions, and I said, man, like I think he had like six or seven players at the time, and I was like, man, like your team is pretty good. I think your worst, your worst player is DK Metcalf, which is a pretty good thing. Um, said it has uh, could go one of many ways. I mean, he seems like the guy. I mean, obviously, they're, they're probably going to be losing, and they're going to have to get him the ball. And he also seems like the guy that when they're – Oh, and six could be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not playing the rest of the year. <laughs> um, it has a lot of different possibilities. We could have an Antonio Brown situation on our hands. Um, anything, anything, anything's possible. I mean, <laughs> more like, yeah, a, ter- more like Terrell Owens, not, All right, not Terrell, Antonio that's Brown. probably a better, Terrell Owens is probably a better comp. Um, I don't know that we'll ever see an Antonio Brown no. situation ever no. again in our lives, but DK could um, definitely be doing sit-ups in his driveway. Halfway absolutely. Yeah. We could definitely see him holding out saying he's not playing until he gets $500 million or something like that. Yeah. Um, th- there's just, just a complete wild card could, could, uh, could end up being a good thing. Could end up being just absolutely terrible. Plenty of nicknames for DK. Uh, I like the decaf. Uh, I'll also throw in a new nickname of Medusa. So with, I call it Medusa because Spears is staring at him with that shirt popped off and saying, what's an absolute physical specimen and unit and cannot stop bidding on him. However, this had completely different circumstances. This has a very Le'Veon Bell at the Jets type of feel to me where you just have a player that you know is capable of being a really good player and they are in a completely impossible situation. I I fully expect to have some weeks where I pop open my app and it's the third quarter and Metcalf has zero targets, just a a straight zero line. I could not stand to to have that and and ride the peaks and valleys of what that season's going to be for Medusa. Man, good luck. I mean, there's, there's a really good chance at some point that, that he punches Drew Locke on the sideline, right? Yeah, I can't see them getting along. Like, he, he's clearly going to want Geno Smith to be his quarterback. I mean, be careful what you wish for. But he, he certainly, there, there's a good chance that there, there's a full-out brawl going to happen between him and Drew Locke at some point. He got paid this offseason, too. Phil, you're, your, you're our financial expert on this podcast. Um, Shout-out to, what was that? Uh, Come Rocket? Um, but, <laughs> um, he got paid, but he didn't get paid like the other receivers did in his class. So I could see there being some fallout from that too. Yeah, um, he, he could be doing setups on the sidelines, demanding a trade by week four or five. If this thing goes the way we all think it's going to go, man, look, look at that juicy matchup. DK at Russ, no, excuse me, home against Russ, Monday Night Football, this league. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of those this week. Um, all right, I think this is going to be a clean sweep. 
Who do you guys got winning ice cream versus Nevermore? Yeah, give me the creamers. <laughs> cream me up, Scotty. A little cream in my decaf there. <laughs> All right. I think cream me up, Scotty, was uh, <laughs> Phil picking Spears. Correct, correct interpretation. Okay. All right, next game, Denver Desert Dogs versus the Flock. Uh, Flock's got Devin Singletary going right now. Made the just really poor, poor decision to leave him in the flex, even though he's the Thursday night matchup. Um, two point nine for Singletary at halftime. Right now, they are projected to beat the Dogs one hundred five point seven to one hundred five point five. Got a little bit of a barn burner here brewing. Um, <laughs> let's start off with the Desert Dogs. Back to back years, they go out and seek the number one wide receiver in the Bears offense. Uh, <laughs> Darnell Mooney. Vaunted. Vaunted. <laughs> yeah. Got to get a piece of the Bears passing game. Uh, Fields throwing the dimes. Yeah, yeah. Mooney. Mooney, uh, big target share last year. Um, what do you guys like about or think about Mooney, if you don't like? Uh, what do you think about Mooney for the 2022 campaign? Thought it was a great buy. I liked it. 17 bucks. Um, I, I definitely was targeting Mooney at some point. I just didn't have the money. I think when he went off, um, he was one of the reasons that I, I bought the extra 10 bucks from Nevermore. There was like three players left that I felt like I had to get one of. I saw you had a bunch of money. I figured you'd be targeting a couple of them. Um, I ended up getting him on Ross St. Brown. He was one of the others, but Mooney was one of the guys I wanted. I, th- I think, uh, I actually think we see a, a nice season from Fields this year. I'm not sure it's going to be stud-worthy yet but I because of the offensive line troubles, but I, I do see a little uptick, and I think Mooney's a big uh, big part of that. So I, I like it. Uh, he's a wide receiver three with low-end wide receiver two upside, which is what you need out of the position. He's a fine play, really good target share. I don't know how much Fields is going to make a jump this year. I, I'm, I'm not hopeful. I, I don't think he's very good or a good passer of the football, which is what he's back there for. That being said, someone's got to catch it. I like Moody's chances as much as anybody. Good product, good, good positioning for, for where he is in the lineup. All right. Um, over on the flock side, got Joey B playing quarterback, DeAndre Swift, and Jonathan Teller running back, Deontay, who I think is a very questionable um, play. Ayuk at wide receiver, Andrews at tight end, uh, Singletary at flex, and Mike Davis at flex. Mike Davis... Um, the flock, Jason's pretty in tune with Baltimore. He feels like J.K.'s not going to get pushed and that he thinks Davis is the guy. Um, I drafted Kenyon Drake because I feel like Drake may be the early guy. I think he's more talented than Davis. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I guess let's talk about Mark Andrews, tight end one last year. Um, were you surprised to see Kyle Pitts go for the same price as Andrews in the draft? And were you surprised to see Travis Kelsey go for more than both those players in the draft? Um, 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I still think Kelsey carries so much value just with his quarterback play. Um, and even maybe even more so now that Hill's gone. I mean, there's still going to be just enormous amount of target share for Kelsey. Um, maybe losing Hill hurts his ability a little bit, but he's still going to get force-fed the ball. Um, so I think he deserves to be number one. Um, I, I think Andrews is, is a better fantasy prospect in Pitts still. Um, quarterback situation in Atlanta is still skeptical to me. Um, and Andrews is, by all intents and purposes, the number one target in, in his lineup. So um, I wasn't really surprised to see what, what, uh, what took place in the draft at all. I think it was just about right. I think Andrews probably should have won a little more than Pitts, but it was close. Yeah, Andrews should have gone more than Pitts, but again, this happens every year in fantasy as people get behind certain players, even unproven players, and they try and get ahead of the market, and, and that's what's reflected in, in Pitts's price tag this season. People are betting on him to be the tight end one, which brings him up to the level that we saw with, with Andrews. And I'm not surprised about Kelsey. He, it'll be the same situation where he's going to now be the undisputed number one target in the Kansas City offense without Hill there. Now, how effective he is without having Hill run just straight down the field every play, I, he's still going to be really good and get a ton of targets. I'm, I'm not surprised either by, by how the, the numbers shook out here. I thought Andrews would have gone for more. I mean, we knew Jason was going to be targeting him. He's a Ravens fan. He had him on his championship team last year. I just thought we would have pushed him a little more, got him closer to that 40, closer to that Kelsey number at 39. Um, Kelsey being the main option in Kansas City is one of the reasons why I'm high on Juju because I just feel like you have to bracket Kelsey with a, a safety and a, and a linebacker um, and you can't let him beat you. And we've seen tight ends kind of just drop off out of nowhere. Um, so I'm not saying that it's going to be this year, but... I just feel like Andrews should have been should have been more than Kelsey. Um, Kelsey probably should have been more than Pitts, and Pitts probably should have gone for a little little less than he was. Um, sorry, I didn't mention my starting lineup. I'm going through mention them. So Wilson, McCaffrey, and Stevenson, Darnell Mooney, Brandon Cooks, T.J. Hawkinson, C.D. Lamb, and Tyler Lockett. Who do you guys have uh, winning this matchup between the Desert Dogs and the defending champion? Flock. Yeah, we get a we get a rookie mistake out of the defending champ in week one, like you mentioned. Um, starting Singletary in the flex, even though he was going to start him. Um, got to get them. Got to get him in your running back spot, man. Um, looking at these matchups, staring Jonathan Taylor at Houston in the face. Can't like that. Um, but juicy, juicy. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here before. Desert Dogs, let's ride. Monday night, Russ back in Seattle. Oh, yeah, baby. Desert Dogs. Man, I'm surprised by that Singletary line, and I'm pretty sure that all came on their first drive. I I really thought he was going to get a lot of work this year. and It's the first half, but... um, I'm sure it'll even out. I, I was really high on him and sad I couldn't get him in the draft. I'm calling upset. I, I know what the projections say, 
I'm going to go against the grain here and, and just dogs find a way to win. They get to 95 first, secure the dub. They're moving on. Shane said it best. Desert Dog Nation. Let's ride. <laughs> How corny is that guy? Dude, he is, he is something else, man. It is just really weird. He is. Yeah, he's a different cat for sure. Um, all right, let's go over to Fleetwood franchise against the Seawolves. Right now, Seawolves, 111 favorites to 99.9 for the franchise. Uh, Josh Allen with a disappointing first half. Did have 153 yards and the tutter, but two picks. And picks in the Sons of Fantasy Football League are backbreakers. Ask, uh... The guy that started, whoever that dog shit quarterback was that threw like four picks for me last year and put up a negative and I lost. Um, Tyrod Taylor, that's right, Tyrod. Because my boy Matthew Barry said he was a good play that week. Um, Fleetwood franchise going Josh Allen, Javante Williams, Damian Harris, Jamar Chase, Cortland Sutton, Darren Waller, Robert Woods, Elijah Moore. And then on the Seawolf side, Jalen Hurts, Austin Eckler. The King, Derrick Henry, The Milk Carton, Allen Robinson, A.J. Brown, Zach Ertz, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman. Phil, what are your plans at the tight end position if Zach Ertz is unable to go? Waiver wire fodder. <laughs> and, and just rinse repeat that for, for the rest of the season. I'll be right there with you, buddy. <laughs> um, all right, oh. realistically... Um, we're not going to talk about Zach Ertz. We're going to talk about uh, his former team and their new number one wide receiver. You got the uh, Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown stack. Um, Super stack. <laughs> not only do you get Jalen Hurts rushing yards, but you get all of his passing yards, which are all going to be to A.J. Brown, maybe a few to Devonta Smith here and there. Um, I like Brown. I think it's a good pickup. Uh, I thought he, you got him at a good price. What do you guys think? Love A.J. Brown. Um, got him in our Dynasty League. Adriel Jeremiah Brown. <laughs> Guy's a physical freak. I've been saying it for, for three years now. Um, he's, he's just a different kind of dude. He's a different kind of player. He's built different, as the kids say. Um, and I, I think he's, he's going to be a really good fit. And I, while I don't love Hurts throwing the ball, um, it's not all that much worse than Tannehill. And he was very successful with him. Um, so a lot of big play potential, and, and I'm definitely high on Brown this year as well. He's another Medusa where he has that shirt popped off, and I, I don't, I'm not sure there's a, a bid high enough where I would stop in drafting him. No, but in all seriousness, I didn't come to the draft thinking I was going to get A.J. Brown. But when you see a, a wide receiver one going for the price that he was going at, there was a no doubt – no-brainer. I'm high on him this year. He's, he's not a top-tier wide receiver one. He, he's a bottom-tier. It's exactly what I needed. I needed value. I, I needed that slot filled, and the fact that I could flavor in the super stack here, it's meaningful. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at prices here, and I mean, you get Brown for 33. I mean, you see Keenan Allen for 43 and Mike Evans for 39. I mean, I'm hard-pressed to believe that A.J. Brown doesn't finish well ahead of both of those guys. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, 
I, I got to feel like he finishes ahead of both and you get him for a discounted price. Um, got to like that buy. Shane Lee. For those things you sneak in at, at that price point. Shane Lee, historian, can need you to go back and check the tape from last year and pull the logs from when on this very podcast, Phil just railroaded A.J. Brown and talked about how bad he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and new evaluations with updated information. Yeah, so that, it, that was the situation. That offense runs through the king. It, you know that. Phil's team has Jalen Hurts, Allen Robinson, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, and one of Lamar Jackson's wide receivers. Those are the guys <laughs> that he's counting on. He has destroyed every single one of them on this podcast <laughs> religiously. I will not be watching football on Sunday. I, I, I cannot. I cannot. Um, it's just a classic case of a guy saying, fuck it, I have the two best keepers in the league. I don't care what else happens around him. I'm going to win. He's so high on his two running back keepers that he's like, I can do anything I want. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the fantasy darlings of the 2022 offseason is Cortland Sutton. Apparently him and Russ are making great strides in their chemistry in Denver. Uh, what do you guys think about Sutton? I actually think I, I like Sutton a lot, but I feel like I still feel like Judy's the better wide receiver. Um, but if Russ... If uh, if Sutton is Russ's favorite target, I think he's got to be the one you like in Denver. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I think no one higher on on Judy than this podcast. We've all loved him. I feel like since he's since he's come into the league, I think he's the better player. Um, but you, you said Tyler it perfectly. Lockett I mean, the better player too. <laughs> and they love Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, you, you just. Russell Wilson's the kind of guy that, I mean, if he, obviously quarterback wide receiver chemistry is, is a huge deal. And if, if Sutton's going to be that guy for him, I, I think there's plenty of, plenty of targets to go around for both of them um, where they can both be successful. And still, we still haven't, we, we, we think Judy's really good. We still haven't seen it yet. I mean, he's been a little hurt. Heard about it. Um, we, we've, we've heard about it for, for a few years now. We haven't seen it yet. Um, so, so has some potential to maybe not be there, but um, I think there's there's enough to go around for both of them to be pretty serviceable this year with with a better quarterback situation. Judy really looks the part. That, that's the problem. He's got he's got the arm sleeve. He's got the dreadlocks. He, oh he looks like he can go up and, and grab any ball. You look at him and just not not quite Medusa level with with the shirt popped off, but darn near close. Sutton, they're going to church together. They're having lunch together. But all the reports say everybody reads the same reports, which is <laughs> part of the reason why I think he went a, a lot higher. But everybody's really high on RW1 to, to CS1. I'd like to see it first, but I understand it. All right, you're going off the rails. Um, <laughs> so 110.7 for the Seawolves, projection 99.1 for the franchise. Bill's just got the ball back. Who you guys got in this week one blockbuster? Yeah. Um, I feel like I don't know that I ever picked the franchise to win, and it usually burns me. Um, but And then there's still plenty of time here for Allen to get back to doing Josh Allen things. Um, 
but I think I'm going to go with uh, the running back combo, and and you're going to laugh, but I, I think there's a Hurts to Brown connection this week, which is, is going to be a big play for the Wolves. So I'm going to go the Wolves, and I think it's pretty close, though. Man, I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but being able to roll out Eckler and, and the King every week, it, it almost feels like the, the rest of my lineups are, are irrelevant. I'm going to be able to plug and play some of these rookie wide receivers and have some fun with it. I'd like to see AR2 show some life. He's only got single-digit targets, double-digit yards so far. <laughs> give, give yeah, you can have nine, for, nine targets for 99, and it would be... Yeah, for the record, when when we're recording this, because I'm sure it's going to be much higher later, it's it's one target, one reception for 12 yards. I like like my team. It's closer than both you guys are going to think and and, and what the projections think, but five to six-point victory for the Seawolves. All right. Uh, We've been getting along great. This podcast is going well. Major heel turn coming here. Franchise, and it's not close this week. Oh, my God. Wow. And, uh, and we no, no, no reasoning, just... Yeah. 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 No, no science. We don't... No, we don't need it. We're not, oh, God. Look at Singletary going off. We're not following Ooh. the science here. We are just, just <laughs> going with it. Um, it's, called, it's called jealousy. Oh, God. All right. Um... Reading Renegades, Reading Renegades against Take Your Ball and Go Home, teabag with projected one twelve point three. Renegades with a projected ninety eight right now. Justin Herbert, James Conner, Aaron Jones, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, Mike Gesicki, Miles Sanders, and Amon Ra St. Brown for the Baggers, and for the Renegades, Lamar, Saquon, Cam, and his goose egg acres, Terry McLaurin, Adam Thielen, Kyle Pitts, Zeke Elliott. And Juju Smith-Schuster over there on the Renegade side. Going to need a little more from Akers if you're a Renegade. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to ask you guys to give me over-under. Lamar Jackson, number one scorer in week one this week for fantasy football. You guys agree how is that, or disagree? How is that an over-under? It's not an over-under. <laughs> it's not. Um, it's not, but do you agree with me that Lamar is most likely to be the number one overall player this week in fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, obviously you look at this matchup uh, for myself, and, and that's obviously the one that scares me. Um, you look at it, and it's got some potential to be a Lamar Jackson game where he just says, pay me my money. <laughs> I, I want my 500 bill. Just put it in the bank tomorrow. Um one of those 45-point weeks from Jackson, totally in play. Um, I mean, obviously, if we're making a bet, I'm going to take the field, but... I just said, is he the most likely? I didn't say him or the field. Yeah, um, I I would say, I mean, it can't get much better than that. Um, Jackson against the Jets. um, Yeah, there's there's potential for, for an absolutely huge game there. When you say one overall, are you talking ranking versus other quarterbacks or ranking versus other running backs, which he is, or overall number one? <laughs> Top scoring player in week one. 
I'm going to go under or over, whichever, whichever the worst one is. Something below one. Because <laughs> it's only due to the fact that I picked Baltimore this week in the survivor pool. Uh, I'm expecting a dog fight there. It's not going to be the high-scoring shootout that we, we see out in the desert with, with Mahomes and Murray. He's going to have a solid week, but he's not. He's I don't know that it's going to be the high-scoring shootout either, but 41-7 to 7 is certainly in play. <laughs> yeah, it's in play. It's definitely in play. Um, and the fact that he's in a contract here I think is terrifying for people that are playing against him. So Yeah. It is that part of the season, the first half of the season, where Lamar has some really good games, and everyone, you, you turn it on, Mike Greenberg, skip Stephen A. Hey, has Lamar Jackson completely redefined the quarterback position? We'll get some content out of that from weeks one through eight or nine. You, you guys are right. All right. Um, over on the take your ball and go home side, let's talk about Aaron Jones. Um, he's been just a stalwart in fantasy lineups for the last several years. Um, guaranteed to have a game against me this season where he scores like four touchdowns. Um, and I think there's reason to be slightly concerned too, while we can be excited about him. Um, we've seen his workload become more and more sparingly, uh, the last few years, as Dylan kind of comes on, Dylan's the darling of the the running back position. It seems, um, I, Jones may get more uh, passing use this year with the the receiving core being what it's being Green Bay. But Shane, is there a part of you that thinks that this might be the last year where you feel like Aaron Jones is a, a take your ball and go home member? Oh, for sure, um, for sure. Didn't. Uh... Didn't love keeping him, but kind of have to. I mean, given the situation, I mean, I had two low end RB one running backs. I mean, that at a pretty good prices. Um, Got to take the, the shot that they're going to produce at, at at a level close to that. Um, but a lot of concern, obviously, the split workload, um, Devonte leaving, where the offense might not be as good. Um, but I also thought there might be some positives there, where hey, maybe Jones. Jones has proven that he's been pretty good receiver out of the backfield. Maybe he he jumps into some of those those targets and uh, starts starts adding five six catches every game to his to his repertoire, where it's a consistent thing. Um, where they use Dylan more as the rusher and, and Jones more as a, the guy out of the backfield um, catching balls. So I still think Jones is, is a quality play, um, but I mean I am a little scared. Um, I think this he, he's been a been a teabagger. For, for a while now, and uh, unfortunately, all good things come to an end, and I think 22 might be the uh, swan song. I, I have zero concerns uh, around Aaron Jones. Yes, Dylan's going to get more work, get more carries, but Jones is going to be the number one off, number one receiver option in that offense and, and just come out and catch a lot of passes, which is actually worth more as far as scoring goes in our league. He is still, at the very least, a top-tier RB2, if not an every-week RB1. Zero concerns. He's still going to be a keeper option on the radar for 23. Desert Dogs get their first touchdown of the 2022 season. 
uh, from their bench, Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> it's the kind of year it's going to be. Yeah. All right. Who do you guys got winning this one against the uh, Renegades and Take Your Bone Go Home? Um, I will take Take Your Bone Go Home. That goose egg in the running back two spot looms large right now. Wait, wait. Before Shane answers, I just want to confirm. You're saying Fegley's roster is one of the best in the league. That's, that's what you guys said earlier. I, I, I did not say that. I said I think his team's pretty decent, but I don't think it's one of the best in the league. I said he had one of the better drafts. Okay. Just Why? look at it. Just look look at it. The, the Barkley, Akers, Zeke stack at running back. Yeah, um, going into this, obviously we can we can see what's going on in this game and it always changes our judgment a little bit when you when you see a guy having having a terrible start like Akers and whether or not he's going to score. Um, going to be hard to come back from Goose Egg. I think my team has enough to get it done um, due to that. He's going to need Akers to, to probably get in the end zone <laughs> at some point to, to salvage a week here. Um, but I think looking at the matchups, even with a big – it's going to take a big Jackson game, real big. I, I think my team's able to, to squeak out about a 10-point win this week. I like T-Bag. And, and I like T-Bag big. All right, T-Bag big. Shane says he's going to need Cam Akers to punch one in. Um, Abusement Park against the Bull Weevils. Abusement Park, 99.6 with the projection. Bull Weevils, 107.9. They got 15.6 from Cup. And one so far from Dawson Knox, who uh, I said would have a good game tonight. Uh, Tom, Tom Brady at quarterback, Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery at running back, Pittman at wide receiver, J.K. Dobbins in the flex at the moment, and Mike Evans in the flex. Uh, Dylan and Waddle obviously in play if he chooses to not go with Dobbins. On the park side, Cousins at quarterback, Chubb and Mixon, Mike Williams, D.J. Moore, Muth, Alan Lazard, and Hunter Renfro with Michael Carter potentially looming um, on that side if he decides that Lazard can't go since he's banged up. Um, we'll start off with the Bull Weevils. Um, obviously, Cup doing Cup things tonight, picking right up where he left off. I'd like to talk about Michael Pittman, however. Um, Bull reached out to me to kind of see what I thought about Pittman, and I kind of scoffed at it at first, and I looked a little closer, and... Matt Ryan's by far the best quarterback Pittman's ever played with. There's nobody else there to catch the football, and Pittman did some things last year. Um, I actually think Pittman's in for a pretty big season when I took a second look at it. What do you guys think about Pittman? Yeah, I mean, Matty Ice, I mean, we're going to look back, I feel like, on his career when he's all said and done and be like, man, this guy was pretty damn good. Um, It's not flashy. It's not... Um, other than the, I guess the 2016 season, the MVP year, um, hasn't been anything that's like just stands out, but he's been pretty consistent and been consistently good for a long time. Um, and I think Pittman's going to, going to reap some benefits there. He's going to walk into a situation where he has a really good run game and a really offensive, really good offensive line. Um, and I think Matt Ryan's the kind of guy that's a good enough cerebral quarterback to, to make those things really work in his favor. Um, I, I expect some really nice things from, from Ryan to Pittman this year. 
I really like Pittman this year, too. Every week, wide receiver, one play. I'm not going to say as many words as Shane did. just think he's really good. Yeah. Taking shots. Um, on the park side, we've talked enough about Chubb and Mixon. Um, you know, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, we don't have enough time to talk about what everything everybody doesn't like about DJ Moore on this podcast. Let's talk about Kirk. Kirk Cousins. Softball winner. He's the first ever Super Bowl champion uh, quarterback in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. New quarterback this year. He doesn't have that stale mannequin that's Mike Zimmer on the sidelines coaching him this year. Um, <laughs> getting a little bit of buzz from Fegley and Eddie to, to play his line for leading the NFL in passing yards this year. Um, Justin Jefferson's getting all the hype about being the first 2,000-yard wide receiver in NFL history. Um, How would you guys think uh, Sure did by getting Cousins, and are you also expecting big things for you like that this fall? Yeah, you see a lot of uh, Cousins MVP chatter floating around out there if you're you're out there surfing. That's awful. It's out there. Um, (laughs) Cousins truthers? A lot of Cousins truthers this year. I mean, and and me and Ed were kind of talking about that at the draft. I mean, there's a lot of hype at, with Justin Jefferson leading the league in reception yards and having 2,000 yards. If that happens, I mean, Cousins obviously has to be part of the beneficiary of that. Um, so, I mean, if Jefferson's going to have a big year, kind of means Cousins has to have one as well. So, I, I, I think Cousins is, is a fine play. I think he, he finds himself as a top 10 fancy quarterback this year. Um, I think it's a pretty good buy for for the uh, for the park. Uh, man, I I am just not buying it. I I, I, I can't see it. And I I've read a lot of the same stuff. People saying you gotta leave the draft with some piece of this Vikings offense. Oh man, Justin Jefferson's really good. Cousins is a average NFL quarterback hopefully gets an upgrade with the coaching change I don't see him being startable I just, I just don't I can't I there's there's 12 guys that should be started ahead of him I don't know I think he gets a I think he gets a bad rap but um, I do think he might have a good year I like that he's going to be in a pass first offense for probably the first time in his career um, and while I may agree with you that maybe he shouldn't have been one of the top 12 quarterbacks, I think there were a few guys that got multiple quarterbacks, like, you know, Fegley has Lamar and Rodgers, so that obviously pushes down um, who are starting quarterbacks in the league because of that. So, um, based on, I think Sher might have been the last person to get a quarterback. It was him and Ed, and they went with Carr and Cousins, and I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are top 10 quarterbacks this year. Yep, agreed. On the, uh, we talked about the Bull Weevils. So, all right, who do you guys have winning this matchup? Currently, uh, Weevils projected to be 10-point winners in this one. Yeah, the Park have one of those rosters that I feel like there's going to be a couple weeks this year where he puts up, like, 150. And then there's going to be a couple weeks this year where he is struggling to break 50. Um, DJ Moore, Mike DJ Williams. Moore, Mike Williams, Alan Lazard, I Mixon. Mean, Joe Mixon. 
I mean, there's a lot of 25 to 30 point potential and a lot of fucking zero potential um, in that group. And But I'm going to go with, come on, man. Tommy B playing on Sunday Night Football at Jesus. Dallas. You know Give that guy's drunk. Give him a moment. Yeah. <laughs> the guy should be worried about his marriage, not Sunday night. <laughs> Try and collect yourself. It's uh, it's the Weevils. Um, I'm not going to say it's not close, but it it's the Weevils. I agree. It's the Weevils. I mean, if you, if you told me Mike Williams, DJ Moore, and Al Lazard finished this weekend without a target between the three of them, Stop it. I would not... I would not be that surprised. Uh, you're, it, it, you're right. It's, it's the perfect boom or bust lineup. This week has a. I like its boom potential. I still think Bowl, with how good this roster is, and touchdown Tommy on Sunday night. Man, give me Bowl. Everyone's always asking, like, why I hate DJ Moore. And obviously it's because I had him, what was it, a couple, few years ago, and he, he was just so hit or miss. And it's not even like you know when it's going to happen. I feel like he could be playing the 2000 Ravens and go for 12 catches for 150. And then he can play the fucking Jets, and he has two catches for 16 yards. It just he, he just makes no sense. That's why I hate him. All right, game of the week. Steel curtain against Mason Madlock's. <laughs> Uh, still curtain against Mixed Mad Dogs. Projected right now 98.5 to 94.1. This is how you know the preparation of this podcast is lacking because the lowest scoring matchup of the week is the game of the week. The game of the week. Nice. Um, so far, Gabe Davis with 11.6 for the curtain and Stafford with 8.48 for the Mad Dogs and a disappointing start to the game for Kelly Stafford's husband. Um for the Steel Curtain, Derek Carr, Dalvin Cook, Elijah Mitchell, Gabe Davis, Garrett Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Antonio Gibson, and Skya Moore. And then we go to the Mad Dogs, and we got Matt Stafford, Kareem Hunt, Damian Pierce, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Evan Engram, Jerry Judy, and Christian Kirk. Whew. Um, on the Steel Curtain side... Garrett Wilson and Sky Moore over under 15 points combined for those two players this week. Over under 15 points for Wilson and Moore? Yeah. That was the question? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a good one, buddy. It's <laughs> a good one because these are, these are two guys, I mean, we're really... Never seen them play. Never seen them play and excited about the possibilities. Um, I think Garrett Wilson's pretty good. Um, I, I, I like him and Alave um, out of this wide receiver class. Just a little concerned with who's throwing him the rock. Um, Flacco. Yeah. You got named the exactly. Um I'm going to go a sneaky over. I think one of them gets in the end zone. I don't know which one it's going to be. seen these guys before we have no idea what give me over we don't bet under. <laughs> i'm taking the under 
<laughs> one of the, one of those dudes is goose egging this week, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm not convinced Sky Moore starts. I think he's going to be able to find someone on the waiver wire to uh, are run you, out there. Are you projecting goose egg or healthy scratch? Goose egg. Okay. Yeah, goose egg for. I think Sky Moore goose eggs. I can see that. Um, and Garrett Wilson might also goose egg, but he's going to get some targets. I'm not sure Moore gets a target this week. Um, over on the Mad Dog side, uh, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, who and talk about? How about Christian Kirk? So here's a hot take for you guys. We don't have the two-for-one special anymore. I think one of the best values out there on the Vegas market is Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC South. It's plus 750 right now. I think it's an outstanding, uh, outstanding value. And Kirk's a big part of that. I think he's uh, going to add to that wide receiver room in Jacksonville. So I thought Kirk was a good buy. What do you guys think about Jacksonville and Christian Kirk? I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I just want to say this right now. Are we absolutely sure that Christian Kirk's good? No. Yes. We are? No. Okay. Phil said yes. Phil, Phil said is? No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're absolutely positive that he's good. Because yeah, I'm just blown away. I mean, obviously there was a lot of interest in him at the draft. I mean, I feel like he went, I don't even remember what he went for. but Fifteen. I feel like there was a bunch of fifteen. All right, that's a little lower than I thought it was. For some reason, I thought he got up into the mid twenties. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not positive that he's really good. But I, I, I see where you're going with the Jaguars. I mean, a lot of times we we do see that second year quarterback take a big jump. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was obviously highly touted for two, three years before he even got to the league. Um, I think there, there's definitely some some expectations there and some some potential for for him to take off, especially Urban Meyer leaves town. Again, instant culture rejuvenation. Yep. <laughs> um, some some potential for some players to to really turn some things around with him leaving town. Um, so I could definitely see that. And the division, not all that great. A lot of question marks. So um, definitely like that like that play. Um, I don't even remember what the question was. Just uh, Jack, Jack, <laughs> Jacksonville and Kirk. We'll go to Phil. Thanks, Gene, for your input. You got it. Do a phone call. Uh, it, it, it's a product of the Urban Meyer stink being gone. They're going to be a lot better. They have to be. Trevor Lawrence, best quarterback prospect in 10 years. Best quarterback prospect that we saw since Andrew Luck. I have faith. I, I don't think you're all that... You're all that crazy. Plus seven fifty, probably pretty good value. I, I could see them being close coming down the stretch of the season. I like the Jags. I like Christian Kirk, especially at that price point. Offense is going to be significantly better. He's going to benefit from it. I, I like him. I, I think he's a good player. I I had him a couple times on teams, so I'm not going to say that I don't think he's good. I'm just not convinced that he is. I mean, he he ran on the other side of Hopkins, and he's obviously a deep ball threat. And, um, you know, him and Kyler are able to connect on a bunch. But I'd I'd like to see what he can do as a route runner and other aspects of his game. So I'm hoping he takes the leap this year. Uh, 
Um, who do you guys have winning this one between the Mad Dogs and the Curtain? Oh, man. Um, Going with the Jacksonville stack of Engram and Kirk on the Mad Dog side. Yeah, this one has, uh, I feel like, some potential to be a little lower scoring. Stafford off to a pretty pretty shaky start here. You're going to need to turn it up here in the fourth quarter for the Mad Dogs. Um, man, I think I'm going to go with, even with the Samuel Adams combo that we saw pretty much lead him to a championship game appearance last year. Um, I think I'm going to go with Ed and, uh, and the steel curtain here in, in a close, low scoring game. Oh man. It's a toss up because we're seeing Goff struggle. So excuse me, Stafford struggle so far. In the game. <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Eddie's going to pull out of this pillow fight. Yeah, I think if Stafford can somehow get close to that 20-point mark, I think I would take the Mad Dogs. But the way things look right now, um, it's going to be hard to overcome. I will take the Mad Dogs, though, because I think I think Stafford's got at least another touchdown um, in his repertoire for tonight. So, You think it's going to go to Cooper Cup? Yeah, probably. Because I, I think it's going to go to Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah, or Higby. you got to think Higby is in the game if he gets in there. He's getting his beak wet. <laughs> All right, anything else for week one? We've gone almost two hours. Um, no, we, we, gave the, the we gave the people what he want. We gave the people what they wanted. They got some some shit to do tomorrow, Friday morning, when they're they're not doing anything at work. Yep. Um, we, we gave the people something to listen to on their on their ride in. Probably too much, you could argue. Yeah. Because your phone's going to be blowing up tomorrow. Apologies in advance. Enjoy it. I don't think it's going to be blowing up. I think there's like half the guys in the league listen to it. So Over under a half a text from Papa Cause regarding this podcast. No. Is he going to download and listen to it? <laughs> no. No. When you see the, the Fran Kozlowski, <laughs> oh, we, we know it's not Papa Cause tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> he has his own email address. He just only writes for my mom's. I don't get. I just don't get it. <laughs> okay. uh, All right. Well, this was fun. I'm glad we got the the band back together. Tomorrow's Friday night. Just saying, fellas. Just saying. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, the FNPS is uh, <laughs> is due for for a reset. Um, thank you guys for joining me. And uh, we will talk next week when we preview week two in the Sons of Fantasy Football League.